Hello, everyone. We wanted to take a quick moment to thank you all for joining us today. This podcast was recorded and is made available to you by Whitley Penn LLP and WP Wealth LLP solely for informational purposes. The information, views, and opinions expressed in this podcast are general in nature and are not intended to be construed as the provision of financial or investment advice by Whitley Penn or WP Wealth. The information discussed in this podcast is accurate as of the day it was recorded, but may then become outdated over time. Please feel free to contact us if you have any questions, comments, or concerns in regard to the content presented. Thank you again for tuning in, and we hope you enjoy this episode. Welcome back to Whitley Penn Talks. This is Matt McGee. Uh, today we're going to be discussing financial advice. I am joined by Shane Miller, one of our senior managers here. Shane, would you like to introduce yourself? Yeah, absolutely. And, and thanks for having me on. Um, so I've been with our wealth planning group for going on seven years now and really was born out of uh, a CPA firm. And so uh, the topic of financial advice is is uh, uh, definitely something that has evolved uh, since since we first started uh, and is continuing to evolve. Um, and I think that uh, some of the questions we're going to dive into to, to today kind of highlight what has changed and what the current environment looks like. But uh, just to kind of give you uh, a sense of how our WP Wealth engages clients, our WP Wealth group engages clients is um, we can do anything from a basic retirement plan, um, you know, education planning to complex estate planning transactions, qualified plan design and implementation. It's really anything that somebody needs uh, relative to growing their net worth. Um, succession planning, multi-generational planning, um, all of that is in our wheelhouse. Very nice. Uh, let's get things started. So financial advice, there's a lot of it out there. You can Google a lot of different things. Uh, let's get into it. I mean, at a high level, why is it not all the same in your opinion? Yeah. Yeah. And so uh, recently saw a video that touched on this topic and I think was um, really the catalyst for us to have this episode but talking about how you know the financial advisor job title applies to so many uh, individuals when in reality they could um, be selling an insurance product they could be working at a bank um, which uh, is very different than the work that we do for our clients not saying one is is better or worse it's just different and so I really think about we do highly consultative wealth planning engagements um, and it's really a profession Uh, you know all of the people on our team either have uh, the CFP certification or um, or working towards it um, have other uh, professional designations that um, really prove up the fact that um, they've applied some substantial learning to their craft and um, and are providing uh, more advanced engagement, I would say. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also, uh, you know, 
there's been this big shift, right, between broker-dealer channel, um, which I guess I should describe that. The broker-dealer channel is really more of a transaction-based uh, way to engage a client, um, very product-centric, very sales-oriented, uh, um, which isn't a bad thing, but there's been a shift towards this RAA model, the Registered Investment Advisor model, which is really a asset under management-based fee Put you on the same side of the table as the client and then you can really spend a lot of your time focusing on um, more value-add financial planning ideas mm-hmm. absolutely <clears throat> so you hit on a lot of different things in that ra model uh, can you go into what a typical engagement might look like for a client and what some of those what that financial planning might look like for yeah. somebody that's not familiar with it versus the typical pure investment focus absolutely so um, uh, well there's uh, our governing body is the SEC and so uh, we're held to what's called the fiduciary standard that means that we have to act in our clients best interest and so uh, it really is a justification of uh, the services we provide rather than, you know, it's uh, I have to, to get the client to some specified end financial goal and can use whatever resources are best for them to get there versus having a motivation to maybe say, use our lineup of funds or products and services um, and I can't really go outside of that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, along those same lines, I think a lot of people maybe have heard of the Series 7 and some of those more traditional, uh, I guess, accreditation or testing. How is this different? I mean, are people still doing the the Series Seven and going the more traditional yeah. uh, model? So I I can speak from experience. I took my Series Seven, you know, right out of school. Um, that's a hard test. Yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. a very hard test, and and there's some really great um, uh, learning uh, components components in yeah. it, right? That are that are important. Um, so I'm I'm not discounting it at all. I just think that a majority of the people who really participate in financial advice, real consultative engagements, um, aren't in a broker-dealer chassis, which is where you need the Series 7. Mm -hmm. And they've really moved to that Series 63-65 or the combo test of 66 now um, so that they can work in that asset under management-based engagement. um, And it really takes all of the... It takes the question marks out of the mind of the client. Mm-hmm. They yeah. don't have to wonder what your motivations are, um, you know. And so there's, uh, I think it's a little bit more pure that way. Yeah. And so as somebody who had the Series Seven, I definitely see the merit in it. But I've since let mine ex- expire. Um, wish I could get that test back, but um, you know, I I I'm not looking back on it. I think that the future of of wealth planning really. Uh, takes place in in the RAA model. Yeah. So you've been here seven, eight years. Uh, You've seen a lot of different clients uh, from a financial literacy planning perspective. Uh, What are some of the mistakes you see new clients making? Uh, What are your thoughts on that? 
Yeah, it, you know, so so my wife's a, a family practice physician, so I always try to use uh, medicine analogies yeah. to relate uh, the message to her. But I think, like anything, the biggest mistake is um, not getting diagnosed early or early detection, right? So the sooner you can start making strides in your financial planning, right, and understanding your savings habits or understanding your cost structure or any of those things, understanding how your benefits package at your at your uh, job works, um, it's gonna serve you better long term. And so I would say early detection, right, is is a mistake that I see often that we get to people later in life who uh, probably could have had double, maybe triple the assets if they had started making those decisions sooner. Um, and so I would say that's one thing. And then you wouldn't believe uh, the risk uh, that, that people expose themselves to, um, you know, not having disability, yeah. yeah, not having disability insurance as a as a surgeon, or uh, you know, not having a will, and you've got six kids, or you know, things mm-hmm. like that that are unintentional and, and purely don't mean for that to happen, but there's just never been a focus. Yeah, uh, you hit on something interesting of people having double or tripled their assets had they done some planning is that really just like a spending thing that they should adjust or probably a total package but i think it's i think it's everything so so you know thinking well you know i really should pay this off rather than you know uh increase my deduction in my 401k so that does a couple of things for you you've you've got a tax benefit but you've also put money into a chassis that has uh, tax advantage features that help it grow yeah, in a better time. way. Um, whereas, you know, maybe you had a, a low interest rate mortgage on your home, but you you wanted to just get the debt paid off. Maybe it makes sense. Maybe it doesn't make sense. But each case you kind of have to evaluate. But there's just certain things like that that if you get started sooner and you know what your numbers are and you know what your game plan is you operate it better and you get better outcomes. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, So a lot of people go about doing this themselves. They're in 401k plans, things like that. They Google a ton of different things. They might be fans of index funds, Vanguard, stuff like that. what are they missing by doing this themselves? Yeah. What would you tell somebody like that that feels like they've got everything under control? Yeah, and so I'll, I'll go back to the to the analogy, the medical analogy is, you know, I mean, WebMD exists. You can look up anything you want, but you may misdiagnose yourself or may treat yourself inadvertently with what could be the right answer, but maybe you didn't think about some other underlying condition or a different medicine that you take and how it might affect you over many years in advance. So I think that um, certainly you could Google uh, financial planning strategies, techniques, but unless you're working with a professional who understands how to protect you from uh, potentially causing harm to yourself, um, you know, for example, a Roth, Roth conversion, People see this strategy, they may think it's a good idea. If they don't understand the style of accounts that they have and the deductibility of those accounts, they may subject themselves to something like the pro rata rule and 
all of a sudden I've got a great big tax bill that I didn't mean to have, right? Um, and so I think that, um, well, certainly technology is important and helpful in, in educating yourself. Um, if you're if you're making uh, if you're making financial plans, it's best to work with a professional to guide you. Um, yeah. And, and that's a big focus for, for our clients is we spend a great deal of time educating um, so that when life happens and we have, uh, you know, years like 2020 uh, with a lot of volatility and a lot of uncertainty, um, you, uh, you have a game plan and you stick to it. And, and that's really what uh, gives us great outcomes for, for our clients. Yeah, yeah, I like it. All right, let's get into financial literacy a little bit more. As somebody who's studying for the CFP and going through that education process, you have it, you've had it for a few years now. Um, from a financial literacy and education standpoint, like, is there a minimum assets that people need to, to have this? Like, what are your, what can people be doing? Like, is this only for somebody that has a few million in a retirement account or is this stuff that anybody can be working towards? Absolutely, so um, I'm actually, um, financial literacy is absolutely one of my passions and, um, I'm, I'm involved, I'm on the board of Junior Achievement of the Chisholm Trail here in Fort Worth and um, financial literacy can start at a very early age and mm-hmm. should, quite honestly. Um, understanding the rules of the game, in my opinion, I mean outside of your health, your money is probably, your, your finances is probably top of mind. It's one of the things that can keep you up at night if you don't, if you don't manage it well. And so I mean teaching children um, about saving, uh, about um, growing assets, about any, anything financial literacy. And then of course, you know, as you, you get into the middle school and high school programs offered through Junior Achievement, they're talking a lot more about how do you start a business? You know, how do you balance a checkbook? Things like that. But understanding those real world skills is so important. So no, you, you don't have to have the million dollar portfolio to, to educate yourself about this. And in fact, I think the earlier the better. Um, and you know, you, you mentioned the, the CFP. Uh, CFP's a, uh, a wonderful training program, um, really puts professionals uh, in a good position to, to help their clients at a high level. The only thing that I would say about the CFP is it's, uh, its effect is amplified when you work uh, alongside CPAs all day like we mm-hmm. do. And so I think our clients benefit from the fact that um, we are a wealth planning firm uh, inside of an accounting firm. And so uh, not only do we have the, the power of a CFP, we got CPA, we got CFE, we've got you know the alphabet soup of of designations out there and we can interact seamlessly with those professionals and provide a coordinated service to our clients. Shane, thanks for sharing uh, that financial advice. There's a ton of good information there. Uh, tune in next week to Whitley Penn Talks. If you have any questions, feel free to reach out. Uh, give us a follow on LinkedIn and share this episode with a friend if you enjoyed it. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for tuning in.